direct headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning, Sandy. How are you? Good morning, Blake and Aaron. How are you? We are good. What headlines you got for us? Fantastic. So we've got a couple of things going on this morning, including uh, the mm-hmm. fact that the royal family has just had a memorial service for Prince Philip. So it's, um, I mean, it's hard to believe how much time has gone by already, but a year um, since he passed away. And they're having, you know, just, uh, I think now that the COVID restrictions are not what they were, um, they're having a memorial service and all members of the royal family were there except for um, Prince Henry, Henry, yes, Prince Harry, sorry. Prince Harry. I was like, who's Prince Henry? Henry. And, and Meghan Markle. Um, other big news this morning, the constitutional case where Katina Anglin was uh, sort of challenging the governor on mm-hmm. his uh, powers to implement the um, the same-sex legislation, domestic partnership that he eventually had to do because the government was not able to do it by way of parliament, has um, decision came in yesterday and basically she has lost that case. Upheld so, the civil partnership. Yep. So um, excellent. I mean, basically what it, what it said is he did not, um, he did not make a, a legal, um, you know, misstep that he that's within his powers to do exactly what he did. So it was a constitutional challenge where she was claiming that the governor didn't have the constitutional powers to implement uh, the domestic partnership law and the court does not agree with her. Yeah. So, yeah. The, gov- the gov knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing. Yep. Um, several armed robberies on Eastern Avenue have the police uh, being carefully. Hmm? Yeah, like right here. Really? Yeah. Right by the studios? Like Eastern Avenue, Godfrey Nixon Way area. Hmm. Yeah. Like right. uh, stores or people? So, people. Um, yeah, I think I think one might have been a business as well. But oh, was it? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I only so, saw the one where they like robbed some jewelry off some two people. Yeah. So the police have said, you know, anyone with information can certainly uh, contact them. Um, but they've received a report of an armed robbery of a location in Eastern Avenue. And um, one individual was in a vehicle and brandished a firearm at the victim, demanding and snatching jewelry from him. And then the suspect fled in the vehicle. So hopefully the authorities can look at some CCTV footage <clears throat> to help them out. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after that, there was another report of a robbery. Maybe it's the same guy um, at four o'clock in the morning, further up the street on Eastern Avenue in the same vicinity of Godfrey Nixon Way. And a man was walking when he was approached by another man who, again, brandished a firearm and demanded jewelry from him. Uh, the two struggled and um, the assailant fled in a vehicle, taking an item of jewelry. So, wow. yeah, you know. The victim sustained some minor injuries, and both robberies are now under investigation. And there was another one that the police, I don't think, have reported in this particular one, but there was also a business that was targeted um, most recently as well. So, hmm, don't know what's going on, folks. But in other police news, they have 22 new police recruits. So, sounds like they're going to be kept busy (laughs) trying to solve some crime. Um, What is it about Eastern Avenue that, that just kind of attracts that sort of, you know, that, that's probably a hot that activity for 106. That, that sounds more like a Bobo conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, what's, what's your opinion, Sandy? Uh, <laughs> I think it, I think it's a certain crowd that hangs out <clears throat> on Eastern Avenue. Um, and yes, I think it can happen anywhere. 
Mm -hmm. But, you know, you're close to some neighborhoods where, um, you know, people um, have access to quickly run and hide. And so it's just, it's just ripe for it, really. Mm. It's, it's the location in a way. And yeah, I mean, people are up later around. I mean, we've been here at yeah, night it's a party before, and there's the like, weekends. you know, people are out late. Yeah, that's so, true. You know, people are, and then there's as you said, there's there. places to run and hide. It's more, right. there's businesses around. It's easy to run behind and hide into those neighborhoods, mm. it seems. Absolutely. So um, big shout out to all 22 uh, new recruits with the um, RCIPS. Uh, trainees of the anti-corruption unit were also part of the class, so congratulations to them. Uh, seven women and 16 men were introduced by Superintendent Adrian Seals last week, having successfully completed the RCIPS recruit uh, training course. So well done. And in a bit of sad news this morning, Mr. Benson Ebanks, who is uh, considered an iconic state statesman, has died. So he actually oh. passed away uh, yesterday morning, but everyone will know that Mr. Benson is an ex-longstanding um, MLA. He's an ex-member of uh, Exco for Education. He was actually leader of government business during the time that he uh, was in government as well. And he's also the first chamber president. Mm. How old was yeah, he? He was, ooh, that's a good question. Hmm. We don't actually have that information, but he was quite, he was up in age. I want to say he's probably yeah. in his 80s, but I'll, I'll try to double check. Um, so yeah, he was. He, Sorry to hear that. Um, yeah, condolences. Yeah, he'd become immobile over the last couple of years, but hmm. uh, well-respected. Also one of the founding members, shareholders of CNB, Cayman National Bank. Okay. So he did a lot. So yeah. are extended uh, to oh, his. He, le he leaves family. his legacy for mm -hmm. sure. Absolutely. And it's definitely a positive one. So those are your uh, news headlines for today. All, All right, right, Sandy, uh, we can catch uh, CMR and the Cold Hard Truth uh, coming up in just about three minutes on 89.1 FM, our new uh, radio station called Bobo. So we'll see you tomorrow on our show at 720. Right, guys. Have a good day. You, you too. Our segment with CMR. All right, folks, we are ready to kick it off. Give me one quick second here. I've already got a keen watch on the time. Less than three minutes. Uh, let me just send out my notifications to everyone on WhatsApp that we are about to go live. How are you guys doing this morning? Good morning. Good morning, everybody on social. Uh, we do have a guest who's supposed to be joining us, so hopefully she won't have any tech issues um, coming in. But somebody's trying to steal her land is what she said to us. And boy, I tell you, some of y'all not easy with the land business tech issues um, coming in. Oh, one second. So, yes, some of y'all are trying to steal little people's land that was left for them. My goodness. Mm -mm -mm. Some real thieves around the place. One second, please. Who's supposed to be joining us? So, hopefully, she won't have any. All right. So, here we go. A couple more minutes before we go live on radio. So how do you guys think the radio stuff is going? I think it's going pretty good, actually. Um, feedback has been very, very positive. And uh, so far, it's all good. So we've got 728 and 48 seconds. Countdown has begun. Don't forget, folks, this evening, tune in at 7 o'clock. We do have premiere access. It's that Wednesday, so every other Wednesday. We do um, Premier Access with Premier Panton. So mark your calendars, put down your little scheduling for this evening. 
don't go out to dinner, tune in instead. And this will be the first time that the premiere is actually on radio as well. So 7.29 in 15 seconds, the countdown has begun. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Oh, I got to turn on my light behind me. Forgot to do that. It's kind of nice to have that little light behind me. So once I play the intro, I'll walk over there and do that. Half an hour, half half an hour, 30 seconds. All right, getting ready. Getting ready for radio. Here we go, 7.29 and 43 seconds. I've never been been more precise in my life with time. (laughs) What to do, what to do. All right, folks, let's get ready. Five, four, three, two, one. Oh, it would help if I actually started the radio part. Peppermint, sorrel, ginger, beaver grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey child. On the cold hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays, Caribbean Connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea. What a mess. Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill. The views and opinions expressed by the following program and its participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Bobo 89.1 FM and DMS Broadcasting respective stations. The program participants' opinions are based upon information they consider reliable and based on their knowledge. All right, folks. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. It is hump day Wednesday. Good morning to everyone listening via Bobo 89.1 FM. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this morning. We have uh, a very interesting show planned. Uh, We've got a lady who is actually going to um, be joining us, you know, talking about a bit of a situation that she has found herself in, which is quite unfortunate. Um, but we're going to break it down. So we're waiting for her to hopefully join the show and she's going to explain in her own words, um, exactly what she says is going on. So, um, this is a segment of, and maybe some of our listeners on radio who don't ordinarily watch our program might not know that we have a segment called Sword About Sandy. And so Sword About Sandy is all about, um, quite frankly, uh, trying to resolve some of the uh, inequalities that we see happening in the community. And um, trust me, there's a lot of them. And a lot of people are being taken advantage of just because people think that they can get away with it. They figure, oh, this person 
doesn't have anybody in their corner. No one is going to speak up for them. No one's going to stand up for them. So it's everything from employment issues to housing issue. We attacked a housing rental situation this week already. Um, you know, it's just um, any sort of abuses. So if you have a situation that you would like us to tackle, um, do send us an email, tips at caymanmaro.com, as well as you can contact us via WhatsApp or give us a call. So um, this morning, we're doing it as part of our live show. Sometimes we um, do them as a pre-recorded segment, and it's just more of like an editorial sort of out Sandy segment. And then other times we actually have the aggrieved parties joining, join us on air and walk us through exactly what has transpired and what has happened. That's exactly what we're going to uh, attempt to do this morning. Hopefully your guests will not have um, any issues coming into the program. So I'm just reminding her to click on that link and then we will kick off that segment. So in other news, uh, folks, in case you've not heard, Mr. Benson Ebanks has passed away, um, described as an iconic statement from West Bay, um, long-term resident of the Bolton's Avenue area in Town Hall Crescent. Uh, of course, most of us will know him as um, a former MP, former member of EXCO, which would have been meant that he was a minister for education and leader of government business during his tenure. He's also uh, was also the founding member or a founding member, my apologies, of Cayman National Bank and a former chairman of CNB as well. And he served as chairman of the board for some 36 years from the company's inception in 1974. And Mr. Benson was also the first chamber um, president and he has had a long-standing career as a businessman um, and a political career as well with lots of achievements and milestones that the people of the Cayman Islands can be extremely proud of. So uh, we would like to um, extend our condolences to his family. I understand Mr. Benson has three daughters. One of them is the current president of Cayman National Bank as well. So we do uh, extend our condolences to his entire family. So uh, a good man um, has passed on. And unfortunately, we all have to go that route. I was also surprised to hear um, about another passing, which I did not know about that happened a couple of days ago. Mr. Chris uh, Rowlandson has also passed away. Um, so I would like to personally extend my condolences to um, his family as well. Of course, you know, I've uh, had an opportunity to meet him more recently and got to know um, his lovely wife, Miss Mary. And I just want to extend my condolences to Miss Mary and um, and their children. So I, I was just kind of scrolling on social media yesterday when I saw that one, Christopher Rowlandson um, passed away on the 25th. And I had not heard that, so so sad. Um, that was on Friday. So our our uh, condolences to um, his family as well. And they're asking that donations be made to Jasmine and to the Cayman Islands um, animal rescue enthusiasts in honor of uh, Mr. Chris. So um, yeah, very sad. All right, folks. Uh, so we are waiting on our guests to arrive. And in the meantime, let's show our good Caymanian manners by saying good morning to everyone. Um, so on the live stream, we've already got almost 200 people logged in. And of course we are able to, um, you know, the ones that want to be seen can comment. And we'd like to say good morning to them if they're taking the time to say good morning to us. So Virtuous is here. She says, good morning. God bless you all. Uh, Ms. Rita says, buenos dias. Carmelie is here. Carmelie says, good morning. Happy Wednesday. Marshall is joining us from North Carolina. 
Damien says, good morning, CMR and all viewers, CMR Nation. We've got Shari, who's also joining us and wishing everyone a blessed Wednesday. Good morning to Olivia, Miss Barbara, Diamond Princess, Miss Joy has got it locked. Um, Miss Joy, are you still in Texas? Miss uh, <clears throat> Joy is a Caymanian that uh, lives abroad now. So we do have a number of Caymanians, including Marshall and others, that join us every single morning from overseas. You know who I haven't seen in a while? Miss Darlene from the UK. Where's Miss Darlene? Um, Ervalyn says, good morning, Bobo. Yes, good morning, TD. Uh, Olivier Watler is here. And um, thank you so much, Olivier. Says Mr. Benson was born uh, for... February the 18th of 1935. So that would make him 87 years old. Thank you for doing that quick math for us, Olivier. Um, good morning to Scott. So good to see you. Uh, Wee-wee's here. Omeria Pleasant, good morning. She says that uh, she is sipping her tea and it is piping hot. Emma, how are you? Uh, Emma says that she tuned in on the radio yesterday and it's convenient while driving, clear and nice, but I like the good old Facebook. Yeah, you know what? I think that um, once you've gotten used to watching it on Facebook or YouTube, um, that would probably be your preference because you get to like see everything. So, of course, our um, radio audience, they get to hear it, but they don't get to see everything. So sometimes we're showing visuals like we will here in a minute. This will that was left. We're going to be talking about all of that. Um, so Amiria says you're coming in loud and clear, Sandy, as I get in my car, it's very clear on my commute to work. So that's good to know. And big shout out to all the um, hard work of the engineers and just the DMS team who really made this happen. I mean, you guys don't know how long this has been in the works, but um, even before I knew about it, it's something that has been years in the making and they launched the first two new stations, um, K country and magic and I'm telling you, I'm in love with magic. Oh, the music and magic is like a throwback for me to the 80s and 90s and some of those good jams that I used to bebop my head to. So I'm really loving it. Morning, Jackie. Bishop Hero Blair is also joining us, and he extends his condolences on the passing of Mr. Benson, saying that it's so sad to hear of his passing, and I knew him quite well. He was a great asset to the growth of the Cayman Islands, and uh, we send our condolences to his family. Thank you, uh, Bishop. I'm sure his family appreciates that. Catherine and Stacy also got it locked. Sarah's here. Mr. Amelia from Winter Park. She says, have a blessed day in the Lord. And um, Sarah says the sound on the radio does not match the live feed. Hmm. When you say it doesn't match it, does that mean that it's out of sync, you think? Uh, there might be a slight delay on the radio side, or do you mean... It doesn't match it in quality. So let us give us some feedback because we're obviously open to making whatever improvements are necessary. So we, we and Marshall extending condolences. Uh, good morning to Richard. Stephen joining us in the UK, another Caymanian who has moved abroad. Um, we should do a whole segment on Caymanians living overseas because that's a whole, that's a thing. Uh, lots of Caymanians for different, for varying reasons. Sometimes it's just pure economics have decided to um, live abroad. Big shout out to King. He is one of those individuals. Um, so I think she's missing that she has to click on this link. Uh, hold on one second. 
Sometimes it's a little bit, um, a little bit challenging to if if people are not too familiar with the tech um, in terms of what they need to do. So Jamelia shares that the Facebook is faster than the radio. So I think what it is is on the radio side, there probably is a slight um, delay. El Ray, Buenos Dias. Good morning, Andrea. Shannon says Happy National Doctors Day. Oh, is it Doctors Day? Nice. Okay. Well, uh, say hello to your favorite doctor. Uh, let me think who my favorite doctor is. Dr. Sydney, are you listening? Hello, Dr. Sydney. Good morning, Sydney Ebanks. Uh, lots of wonderful doctors out there who make our lives so much easier when you wake up with pains and, you know, things like that. You're like, oh, thankful for a good doctor. Uh, big shout out also to Dr. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, uh, Pomeris. So Ruthland, yes, Pomeris, uh, happy Doctor's Day to you as well. Just thinking of some of my favorite doctors. Mm, the foot doctor, I don't know that he's my favorite doctor, but he's a necessary doctor. Oh my goodness, I was up at uh, after one o'clock this morning and I couldn't get back to sleep until after two because of my feet. I think I've told you guys this before, but I've got some sort of, I think it's just brought on by, um, I'm a heavy walker, <laughs> which is, let me tell you what this really is. Two things. Number one, I need to lose those 50 pounds that I keep talking about because that would undoubtedly um, help this situation. But this is a bit of an issue that I've had, I feel like my entire life, even when I was a kid, I'm very um, top heavy. So I, I walk on the, I put a lot of pressure on the balls of my foot when I walk naturally. That's bad, I don't know, mechanics of how I walk, right? And so, you know, foot inserts and some things kind of do help a little bit and the certain types of shoes. So I now stay away from high heels because they pivot the foot forward and make it even worse. So I do um, stay away from those as much as possible. But yeah, it kind of flares up every once in a while. And to be honest, most of the time it flares up when I am trying to sleep. Oh my goodness. And you guys know I'm not the world's best sleeper anyway, because I stay up pretty late. Um, I have been trying to get to bed by 11 o'clock. That's like my new self-imposed bedtime. So I didn't make it last night at 11. I was closer to 12 and I went to sleep. And just as you know, that first hour you're getting into a nice rhythm and you're probably starting to snore super loud and you're like, yeah, just releasing all the day's stresses. Oh, I woke up with this pain in my foot. I was like, are you kidding me? Not tonight. <laughs> it's like, why don't you do this when I go to bed at eight o'clock, which I never do. But, you know, it always seems to happen at the worst possible time. Um, and sometimes I can feel it coming because I can feel um, the pressure building on the, the ball of the foot and on the side of that big toe all day long. So I've got a couple little foot massages that I um that I try to use. She says that I'm not hearing anything, but she has to click on the link. All right, so give me one second, folks. I'm going to just play a nice, beautiful song or, or um, national song while I try to sort out our guest because it looks like she's having some tech issues. So just one moment for me.
Oh, my apologies. Someone said they can hear me in the radio. Oops. I guess I need to mute it from the board. Um, I was muted in the live stream, so I think the YouTube people couldn't hear me, but um, I guess everybody on radio could. So that's, thank you for <laughs> reminding me that I have to do it from the board. So she's having some technical dif difficulties, unfortunately, um, getting on. Everybody's like, hot mic, hot mic. Don't say anything horrible right now. Um, so, um, yes, I, I'm trying to get her on. I'm not quite sure what's happening. I've asked Kevin to maybe reach out, but he might be kind of busy. Um, so someone says, good morning, Mall Road, listening to the radio now. Can't wait for the piping hot tea. Big up CMR Bobo, Colin and mom. And their favorite doctor is Dr. Yin. So Dr. Yin is extremely, um, oh my God. A bird just hit the window. Um, yes, Dr. Yin is um, is also a very popular physician. So I'm hoping this lady can get on. I've said to her, um, oh, she wants me to call her. Mm -mm -mm. Or we have to get some. We have to get some free credit with Flo here. <laughs> Woo! We need a hotline. Um, cause I find a lot of people are wanting me to call them. All right. Let's hope that we got enough credit here and we don't run out of credit. Cause that would be so funny. All right. Five, four, six. Mm -hmm. So she is, um, not getting through with the link. So let's just do it. Hello, good morning. Hi, good morning. I'm not sure why you weren't getting on there, but we'll do it by way of a phone call then. Okay, then. How are you? I'm good. Awesome. So uh, you reached out to us um, about some issues that you're having. So I'm just going to remind our listeners, folks, that this segment is called um, Sort Em Out Sandy. So let's just play our little intro for it before we start hearing from our caller. It's 2022, and CMR is taking talk to the next level. Are you tired of talk shows that offer no solutions for you? Talk, 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 talk. And more talk? Here at CMR, we believe in action. Tune into our new segment where we answer your questions about life, marriage, business, and so much more. Anything you want advice on. Reach out to us for a special dose of the cold, hard, truth having a hard time with a business sort em out sandy is here relationship woes sort em out sandy is here confused by the procedures to follow sort em out sandy is here submit your questions via email to tips at caymanmarlroad.com on whatsapp or on messenger All right. Good morning, um, caller. So you reached out to us after I guess you probably felt like you've exhausted um, all of your efforts to get this resolved. So let's start at the very beginning so that our listeners can understand exactly what is going on. Okay. Mm -hmm. Go okay, go ahead. Yeah, you tell yeah. us. Where do we begin? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you, you say morning, that... Yes. Good morning, Miss Ill and listener. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, my name is Naomi Marshall. Mm -hmm. I have been taking care of Mr. Smith and his wife during their sickness since 1993 until 2003 when he passed away and leave a will. 
Okay. So you're um, a domestic helper based on your accent. You're from Jamaica. And yes, you have been here um, since the 1990s, taking care of this elderly couple. And yes, from 1993. From 1993 until 2003? Yes, when they passed away. Okay. So they both died in 2003 or just one of them? What, um, the wife had died before and the gentleman had died in 2003. Okay. So for some 10 years, then you were employed um, at least by one of, of the um, individuals and at some point taking care of both of them. So I'm yes. assuming in the 10 years, you developed a very close relationship with this couple? Yes. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about what that was like. Yeah. When I came from Jamaica, I came straight and lived with the couple. And then they died and will the dwelling house for me. Mm -hmm. I call his wife mama because they take care of me so good. And then they leave the will. And after the will probate in December 2003, until now, I cannot own the property. It has been a hustling up and down stress. I've been using liars up and liars, and the problem cannot resolve. And then the executor of the will went and borrowed mortgage on the property over and over until the bank had came in to sold the property. Mm. So um, let me just try to understand what you're saying. So someone leaves um, a will and in the will, they've left the property for you. Um, Is it the entire property or what did they leave? The dwelling house that we have been living into from 1993. Which is, is it just one piece of property? Is it multiple properties on the same piece of land? Or just give Mm -hmm. us a visual. Yes, there are nine other rented rooms on the property. Nine rented rooms? One land. Yeah, it's just one land, but it's a two structure. You have the dwelling house Uh and the renting apartment. Okay. And do you know what you were left? Were you left the entire property? No, just the dwelling house that we were living into. Mm, Okay. So, um... That's a little bit unusual because normally, you know, as they say, property cleans land. But let's look. I mean, you have a copy of the will. So let's try to see if we can we can figure this out, because this is one of the things we've seen this happen before, where people in Cayman will have a single piece of land. And on that piece of land, they have multiple you know, structures. And like I said, the, the rule of law normally mm-hmm. is property cleans the land. So, you know, if people if somebody else has been which I hope this isn't the case if somebody else has been, um, you know, given the land through um, a will, hopefully that's not now conflicting with your little structural piece on the land, because these are, these are, um, and this is why folks, when you are inquiring about these things, you need to make sure you get proper legal advice because although Mm -hmm. your intent is good, 
for when you pass on to leave certain things to the people that you love. If you don't have good legal advice, you end up creating a mess and leaving a mess for the people behind. And we've seen that with um, another caller, you know, that some weeks ago that was on our program from Windsor Park. And that's exactly what happened to her. She didn't even know that her husband had added um, the ex-wife and his son on the property. And she lived there for 20 something years and did not know that that was a legal position. So let's try and figure this one out. Um, So we have a will here and I'm just going to see if I can pull up the components of the will. So your understanding is that the physical structure that you're in has been left to you. Now, did you ever get any legal advice when you uh, understood that you were a beneficiary of the will? Did you speak to a lawyer at all? Yes, I've been using several lawyers Mm -hmm. from 2008 and I do not get no justice. All mm-hmm. I do is just paid money, paid money. One of the lawyers told me that if I gave them $2,000, mm-hmm. they would resolve the problem. And I pay nearly, I pay with all my savings to that lawyer special. Mm-hmm. And the problem have not been solved. Mm-mm. And if you look on the will, at, in, you see that it said, the property is belongs to me for my own sole use and benefit. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. This is a gift. Or can you go to the bank with a will and it is gift to somebody for taking care of a person and borrow money on it? I don't think the bank use proper document to lend the executor money mm-hmm. on what it belongs to me. Well, let, and, let's, and um, then, let's see if we can figure it out. So I'm going to just pull up. I know you're not online with us, but let's see if we can have a look at the actual yeah. will to see what the will says, right? So we have um, yeah. copies of the will here. Again, um, Mr. Um, Philip N. Stewart Sr., who was a notary, actually, I guess, witnessed this. And this is an affidavit of a testing witness. Um, yeah. So who is Gifford Henry? Um, he's one of the person who signed the will. Okay, so he says that I witnessed the execution of the last will and testament of the above named person. And that said, will bearing the date being February the 19th, 2003, having been produced to me, and that I saw the above named execute the will by signing his name. So this is just one of the witnesses. Um, So he had two witnesses, which is what's required by the wills law. So let's just have a look then at uh, what else we have here. So we have a section of the will here that says section five, I give, devise and bequeath my dwelling house and land. And then it has in brackets portion. Uh, yeah. So he's trying to split up a portion of the land. Yeah. Mm. Um, I wish uh, this is when I, when we need to have a lawyer who, who would jump on to the live stream with us, because I'm very, very curious as to um, how legal this sort of thing is. Um, yeah. Because honestly, um, you know, I think when people try to do this, again, they have to be extremely careful about trying to split uh, land yeah. up, right? So it looks like that's what he was trying to do. Take a single piece of land. He's going to give you a portion. And this is Redgate Road off North Sound Road um, to Naomi Emily um, Tape or Tappy, uh, who shall become owner of the said dwelling house and land. And then again, he has in brackets portion with all of its contents, 
all furnitures and fixtures or whatever of whatever nature said land situated and then he talks about the block and parcel number um yeah. or whoever the same may be described at land registry for her sole use and benefit absolutely this is being given to her because um of her caring for myself and my wife during her illnesses uh illness since 1993 naomi gave up her fi fiance to accept and care for me and my wife and is hereby included in my will as a beneficiary so then he goes on to say at number six that the other building, so 96B and C, so you're supposed to get 96A, yeah. um, then 96B and C contains nine rooms, which are rented to tenants. Yeah. And it says that the executrix um, or executor is solely responsible to rent and collect the revenue from the nine lease rooms. The revenue from all of the rooms being nine should be used to pay CIBC loan. So the property had a loan when your former employer died? Yes, and it was, I went and cleared it. I paid it off as soon as he died. So how did you, how much was left on the loan? How did you afford to pay off a loan? It was $500 because when he was alive, I mm. used to pay it. And then when he died, it only balanced five hundred dollars, and I went and paid the last month on it. Hmm. Well, that was a little bit of money, a little sum. I mean, okay. Yeah. So, um, so then the executor didn't really have um any loan to pay. So it it this will. I mean, I must say, whoever Mr. Gilbert was, he looks like he was um really trying hard to do this right because then he goes on to say. After all of my debts are settled in full thereafter, I give, devise, and bequeath the rented rooms being nine to the following person. So then he started giving away individual yeah. rooms. And I don't, can can somebody in the legal profession help me out here? Can you do this? I think this is a problem. And I don't know who he got advice from, but he gave one room to his son, one room to another son, um, yeah. the other seven rooms to his sister. And I mean, giving individual rooms that are part of a singular property, I feel like that yeah. is asking for trouble. And that's probably where all of this began. Huh. Yeah. So there's a bit more. Um, he talks about the dwelling house having uh, nine rooms, which is 96 B and C, uh, two structures situated in block 20b parcel 127 in georgetown east and the said land must be shared so that all may enjoy unless other negotiation between the parties is sorted otherwise so he says yeah. here that the land itself is to be shared so basically he's creating kind of like almost a bit of a i don't know if this is like a strata situation but it doesn't look like he would have went and stratified it in any way but i kind of okay. feel like when i'm thinking about legally what this is that's as yeah. close as i can i can come to this um so this is a problem so what happened is one of the executors is that the sister then that went and got a loan on the property yeah yeah oh i see so she owns the lion's share of the actual physical rooms, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. she then, you say, went to the bank and decided to take out a loan. Yes. Uh huh. How much more money did she borrow in the property? She took um twenty thousand first, 
and mm-hmm. then she then she went back and took about um three or four times and I had to go to the bank and uh, and I put an ebition on it and tried to block it in 2010 and after I put the ebition on it and block it mm-hmm. I was surprised that she got money again hmm so uh, after let, let me one, one second let me just understand something so in 2003 when you saw this will did you think to yourself okay I need to go to land registry and make sure that my name is on the land registry paperwork. Did you do any of that? Or were you relying on her as the executor of the will to do all of those things? No, I I, I asked her, let both of us go and dealt with it. And she told me, yes, we could go and deal with it at the land register. She put me off three times and she didn't turn up. I even get Mr. Broderick to um did the survey and everything and she said yes and she didn't turn up she didn't do anything at all nothing mm-hmm. at all and then in 2010 when i tried to block it when i found out that she had still taken loan on it mm-hmm. she still go back and took the loan and then one evening when i was here somebody from the bank came here with document for me to sign mm. i didn't sign it because i don't know what it was all about hmm. So um, are you aware if this particular will was ever registered with the courts and did it go through like the probate process at all? Do you know anything about that? Yes, I think it registered and probate in 2003, December. It was probate. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I even go to court and ask them to remove her as the executor so that I could go and collect the rent to pay back the loan that she had to, and they refused. Mm. Wow. That's not good. Yeah, so, because I believe so her, her, name, her name then is basically on the, um, her the name title. is on the title. Yes. And she did not put minds on it because she don't want me to know what she is doing. Wow. So uh, what a hot mess. So we have um, a person here, Miss Nola says, Sandra, she's not speaking the truth. Ask her how much she paid towards his debts incurred due to his medical bills. So what does that have to do with anything? I'm not sure. So you were responsible for his, for his debts and his medical bills? I'm not sure. No, what I, am, I am not responsible for that. She is to pay it from the rented room. And I don't know what's happening to that. Uh-huh. I don't know anything about that. Because they hide everything from me. They don't say anything at all to me. Mm. And then when I was So the executor, time, l- l- let me also say this. So the executor of the will or executrix is also a beneficiary of the will. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Mm. She even offered me 24000 to buy all the old wedding house from me. 24000 mm-hmm. Wow. So he, I see he here that um, you're, you're right. There is a grant, a probate. So it looks like it was um, registered and put in and gone through the probate yes. with the grand court um, on the yes. 30th of December, 2003. And um, it says here that the personal representation of the said deceased was granted 
by the aforementioned court to Frederica uh, Charlton. That's the sister? Who's Frederica? Yeah. Okay, the executrix name in the will, and she, having been first sworn and well and faithfully to administer the same by paying the just debts of the deceased and the legacies contained in this will. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very interesting situation. Wow. So what's been happening since, um, so she took out multiple loans on the property. Are the loans being paid? Are they in good standing as far as you know? No, it's not being paid because the bank had come in to sold the property. And what they did, oh we went gosh, to a really? meeting. So she defaulted on the loan? Yes. We mm-hmm. went to a meeting because I tried to go to the bank to find out what is going on. Mm-hmm. And the bank refused from giving me detail. And then mm-hmm. I said to myself, if the property is for sale, a section is for me and the other section is for her. Why mm-hmm. not give me the first preference to see if I can purchase it? But what they did, they said that they're going to bring in a third party. And the third party is Miss Charlton's nephew. They're bringing to, in the third party to do what? To borrow a loan and to cover back the debt that Miss Charlton had borrowed. And on Monday, I realized that there is no third party. They want to sell the nephew, the property, and nobody say anything to me. The nephew is purchasing the property. So um, hold on now. So, you, But you said the bank was bringing in a third party. No, no. when we go to the meeting at the bank, uh-huh. um, Ms. Charlton Lawyer suggests that they would get a third party, and the third party would be the nephew so that the Navy could go to a different bank and borrow the money and pay the bank so that the bank did not hold on to the property. But instead of doing that, on Monday I get to understand that the Navy is purchasing the property instead of being the third party. Mm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I understand that part because um, when you said he was a third party, that just means he's not part of, he's not a current owner and he's not part of the, I guess, the will, but he's the he one is. who wants to purchase the property. So he is the third party that's purchasing the property. Is that he, It's just that he is her son. Nephew. Her nephew. Okay. Yes. Um, I mean, I guess theoretically there's nothing stopping him as a member of the family from stepping in. In doing that, but what what bank is going to if she is defaulted? Who she borrowed the money from? Which bank did she go to? Uh, I think uh, the bank development bank in town. The the government bank, Cayman Islands Development Bank. Yeah, the one on in town there. She borrowed the money from. Well, all banks are in town, so you might we might need to narrow that down. <laughs> the one is past, it, the post, uh, past the police station. And come down, the one right there. JN Money? Jamaica National. Yes, Jamaica National. Yeah. Mm, okay. Um, that's interesting. So um, so she borrowed money from Jamaica National, and then they're mm-hmm. willing to sell the property. Do you know how much is outstanding on the loan? How much has she borrowed now? 
I don't know, you know, because I asked the bank when I went to the meeting and they said that it's between them and the charter. They would not tell me how much. No information at all the bank would not give me when I went here mm-hmm. to find out what was going on. Because, of course, that's private information because the loan is in her name alone and you're not a party to the loan. So I can see right. why they would tell you that they can't give you that information. Um yeah. Interesting. So Jamaican national, she's taken out a loan on the property. And um, have you ever been advised by the lawyers that you speak in, spoken to to put some sort of caution on the property itself? Yes, I had put it on there. When was that? When I, um, I think it was in 2010, 2009. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I put it on it and she still received a mortgage in 2010. That was the last mortgage that she received on the property. And were you advised then after putting the caution on in 2010 that she was borrowing against it? Yes. But were you able to do, obviously you weren't able to stop that. Um, They sent over a letter to the Mm -hmm. bank. Mm -hmm. I think to find out why the emission is on the title and they still enter the money. Hmm. So the bank saw caution on the property, which was your name, and they still decided to take the risk of loaning her money on that property. Yeah, after I put the ambition on it. That sounds like the bank might have probably made a misstep, but hey, I'm no lawyer now. So you guys need to go and, and make sure you speak to lawyers about this. But this is sometimes these banks are a little bit greedy to give people loans. And um, I tell you what, this wouldn't be CNB though, because CNB double checks and cross checks and triple checks, everything. So this is really interesting. Let me just read some comments that are coming in. Um, so Renee says, so she took care of him and was also responsible to pay his medical debts, question mark, his domestic helper. So that is interesting. Um, so I'm not really sure. Nola, what I think Renee is referring to Nola's comments to say, ask you how much you contributed to his medical bills, but why would you be responsible for that? Um, yeah. hmm. So Kapow um, says there are two sides to the story. Um, Mosi at says you can actually do an application in court to vacate the executrix and because she is violated her duties. So apparently you have tried to remove her. What what was that process? Did you have a lawyer helping you with that or how did that go? Yes, I have a lawyer helping me and we went to court about it to get her removed. Mm-hmm. And she was off the island. She was in England. Mm-hmm. And they say that she was unable to travel because of her illness. Okay. So that never went before a judge for a decision. Yes. And how long ago was that that you were trying to get her removed? I tried to remove her. I think it was from 2019. Mm. So this was right around when COVID hit. And then, of course, things have been, have not been the same. So is she still in the UK or where is she now? She's on the island. She came out the other day. Okay. So since she's returned, have you tried to revisit this idea of having her removed? No, because 
what I was waiting on, they mm-hmm. said that the third party would get the money now to pay to resolve the problem. And she came and she didn't do anything at all on it. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, it sounds like to me that um, you might have to... Um, might have to, to get another lawyer. The lawyer then not helping me at all. I have to be using all my savings. All my savings and all I do is just take away my money and nothing, nothing done, nothing done. Um, I went to one lawyer, I did have a lawyer in town and I went to Jamaica. And when I was coming from Jamaica, I saw the executor coming from my lawyer office. Okay, just just repeat that for me so I can understand. So you what what is you went to Jamaica and when you were coming from Jamaica you saw you saw them where? This is from the airport. No, I, I'm I, not... went, I went to my lawyer and while I was going to my lawyer, the uh-huh. executor was coming from my lawyer office. Okay. So you think And that... then they chose the case. Who threw out the case? The lawyer chose the case. But how can they throw out the case? I mean, a lawyer can't throw out a case. A lawyer can only decide. He told decide. me that I have to get another lawyer. Right. Well, that's that's not throwing out the case. That's just a lawyer saying that they're not going to represent you anymore. So oh. um, what you then have to do is get yourself a new lawyer when that happens. Mm-hmm. So, But you're saying now that you think there was some sort of collusion between the lawyer and um, the, basically who you were suing, which is the executrix of the will, after yes. you saw her leaving his office. Um, yes. Have you made any efforts to get a new lawyer? Yes. Mm-hmm. And how has that gone? Oh, she keep on taking my money. She told me that I must pay $2,000 and she will get the problem resolved from mm-hmm. 2013. And I keep on paying her, paying her, paying her, and nothing resolved, nothing resolved. And I want to let you know, mm-hmm. when the bank, when they came to sell the place, you know, it was somebody from the, from Century 21 then, because my lawyer worked with Century 21. And somebody from Century 21 came here mm-hmm. and told me that the place was sold. I just get up. And when I realized, Miss Sandra, I saw light over my head, ambulance and police. I don't know what happened. I just passed out because I was in a shock. And when when the, when is this that they told you the property was sold? Um, it was in 2020, 2020. Uh-huh. yeah, when I realized there was only police and ambulance, I know nothing else because I was in a shock to realize that I work so hard and I get the property as a gift and she tried to take it away and block it from me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so who, who has now purchased the property? They said that the Navy is going to purchase it. I don't know if he paid for it or not. I don't know anything. They had everything from it because the Navy is living here also. Mm. Wow. So um, tell us, my dear, um, what what would you like to happen in terms of a resolution? I prefer to keep this house 
Because when I leave Jamaica, it's here I know as my home. I don't know nowhere else as my home. Mm-hmm. And if the, if the bank is going to sell a property, contact me first and find out if I can purchase the property. Because seeing that the property is for two persons, mm-hmm. I have off. And then the other half, I could manage to collect the rent and pay the money. Because I used to pay the loan for Mr. Gilbert when he was alive. And there was no problem. And I can still do it again. Well, I mean, from a banking perspective, um, I'm not really sure if that's how they're going to look at it, because that, that's on the assumption. I mean, normally when they give you a loan, you have to qualify um, for that. And the the problem with, with what you're suggesting, and this is just me from an amateur perspective now kind of thinking this through, the problem for, for that I see is that you're asking them to loan you money to purchase the full property based on um, income that you actually don't have access to right now. But you're saying if they sold you the property, then eventually you'd have access to that income, but that's not how banks work, right? So when they're looking at, okay, we're gonna loan you the money, they're looking at what your current financial position is, not what is gonna be in the future. You understand what I'm saying? So that's a bit of a, a tricky situation because I don't know exactly how that would work. Because it's, it's not like they can just take the property and give it to you and then figure out afterwards I mean, how you're going to pay for it, right? They need to know how you're going to pay for it beforehand. Yeah. So um, any idea what the value of the property is? I think they say, I don't know exactly how much the value is. Because I'm just wondering if you're actually going to be able to qualify for that loan. My share alone... When I did the valuation, it was two hundred and eighty something thousand for it. But with the money that she owes, is less than that. And I do do the valuation a good while ago. Mm. Wow. Okay. Um. This sounds like a bag of mix up. Mm-mm. Um. Did did the couple have any children when they died? Uh, Mr. Gilbert have children, uh-huh. but Miss didn't have any children for Mr. Gilbert. Oh, okay. So he had children. If you look in the will, it said. Oh yes, children. he was leaving he it. He was leaving one to one son, and yes, yes, yes. He said all my children did not take care of me. If you look at the bottom of it, I was. But he still he person. still left them a room. Yeah. So the the problem is right. I mean, you wouldn't just be trying to buy the property from one person technically you're trying to buy rooms from the sons because each one of them two sons got a room and then the Mm -hmm. sister got um how many did she get she got nine rooms so you're trying to buy it from all these different people no what happened she done buy all the two son and pay them off already. So it's oh. just both of on the property. And she okay. would not give me mine. So when, when did she one. when did she do that? Um she did that from I think it was in 2008, coming up to 2009. She paid them off and then she had okay. one to offer me. So she she, she basically is making 000. a move to acquire the entire the entire property outright. So she's bought at the sons and you're the last person 
essentially yeah. it's in her way of acquiring the full um title i see yeah. huh. and then she wanted to offer me twenty four thousand for the dwelling house you imagine twenty four thousand you know so everton says because you're not family that's why they're giving you such a hard time um melissa says good morning sandy why people can't be fair about it uh kk says something is not adding up i mean it's it's a bag of mix-up for sure um so jonathan i think we've just answered that question about the children what kind of lawyers? I'm just curious who you who you've been getting. You don't have to name them necessarily, but um, these are Caymanian lawyers that you've been going to. Where where are they from? Maybe you need yourself a good English lawyer. I hate to say it, but one of the issues a lot of times that happens with Caymanian lawyers is there can be this bit of, you know, um, you're an outsider, so we're going to side with the Caymanians just because I know their mommy and I know their daddy and, you know, they throw all good principles out the window. But I find that a lot of times when we have lawyers from other jurisdictions who don't get into that sort of angle, right, of things, that they can be a bit more balanced in their approach to handling a person's case. So have you considered speaking to like an English lawyer, maybe? I mean, I hate to say this as a Caymanian, but I'm just telling you all the truth. Um, no. So you've been speaking no, I, to all Caymanian lawyers at this point? Jamaica Caymanian. Oh, a Jamaican Caymanian lawyer. Mm -hmm. yeah. What a mix up. Yes. Um, wow. All right. So um, what would you, I mean, you've come on the show and you've shared this story. Um, what would you like the resolution to be? I need justice mm -hmm. because I need to own this property. It was gift, that gift to me as a gift. I don't believe no one should take it away. And I do not believe the bank should lend her money on it mm -hmm. to do her own use. She did not use the money on the property. Nobody know what she did with the money. And I need justice. Mm -hmm. I, do, I went to the court and no justice. And the lawyer cannot help me. They only take away my money. So mm. I need justice. Mm -mm. I need wow. justice. Because I don't think I'm going to move from here. And I don't believe it is right. Him, I need to step up. Mm -hmm. A lot of people is suffering all day. We work hard. And the boss will them something. And the executor try to hold on to it. So this must be an example to him. Mm-hmm. So um basically you need to um you need to get yourself a lawyer who can really try to untangle this. So some people are questioning your storyline. One person says um that my opinion that you were trying to scam and got screwed. She sounds like my uncle's 40-year younger wife. So some people are comparing you to other situations. A scammer gets scammed, her stories all switch up. Um, but one thing for sure, you're named in the will. So, I mean, there's no arguing about that. And the will was put into probate. So I'm not really sure, you know, where the argument comes in, in terms of your, your rightful, um, and legal access to at least that portion of that particular dwelling house. So this is, uh, this is quite, quite interesting. 
Um, so Carmely says to take the money, but Carmely, her point is that they're offering her a sum of money that's not even fair value for, for that dwelling house. So why should she take the money? My dear, you need to get yourself a good lawyer. I, I question the ones that you've had so far. Yes, Sandra, I'm Erin. Yes. So um, hopefully there's some that are listening to the program this morning and that can reach out and provide you with some good, solid legal advice. And will you yes. keep us will you keep us updated, I guess, on, on what happens next and where it goes from here? Yeah. All right, my dear. Well, good luck to you. Um, you know, we'll we'll reach out to a few lawyers as well to see if they yes. can look into this for you. I'm not really sure, but um sounds like you spent all your money and bad lawyers already. And yes. lawyers, the good lawyers definitely don't work for free, folks. Um, they come at a premium. Yes. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, and um we wish you the best of luck. Okay, Ms. Sandra. Thank you very much, Ms. Sandra. All right, my dear. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. What a mess. You know, we often hear, folks, of these um, types of cases. Um, it's not the first time, and I'm telling you that when people are leaving wills, this is why even the process of writing a will, you need to get someone who really knows, like a decent lawyer. Don't just go to any Tom, Dick, and Harry, just kind of, oh, yeah, my dad, I went to this one. And, and you know, they, they, they came at in, so they must be the best. Um when it comes to the legal profession, in my opinion, Cayman has some solid, very, very good lawyers. Uh, my experience, and I sit there every single day watching people, is that sometimes the foreign lawyers are a bit more um, aggressive and balanced in their approach and even the advice that they're going to give you. So they will look at the documentation that you bring in and they're not going to be like, Oh, just give me $2,000 and I'll sort it all out. If they're not actually going to be able to sort it out, you know, at your initial consultation, a good attorney needs to tell you, what are your chances here? Um, is this a clear cut case? Is this a case where it's like, mm, you know, the precedent says X, Y, Z, this is going to be an uphill battle. Mm -hmm. I think that lawyers need to be honest with their clients and give them a good indication of what they're actually able to do. And I know some of the lawyers that she has said has supposedly told her that they would get it all sorted out. And they're just money grabbers. Caymanians. Yes, I'm saying it to you, lawyers. You know who you are. Um, you know, they just take people's money and they don't do the job. And most people don't know that they can actually go and lodge a formal complaint with the court's office when this sort of thing is happening. When a lawyer takes your money and do not perform the services that they have promised, uh, maybe you need to be filing a complaint with the Cayman Islands Judiciary. And I think if more and more of that begins to happen, some of them will start to shape up their act or get out of the profession completely. Um, KK says, Sandy, you're a counselor, semi-lawyer, and much more. So I want to make it very, very clear. I am not a lawyer. I have a law degree. So sometimes I might understand certain concepts of law, maybe a little bit more than the average layperson, but I'm not a lawyer. I don't practice law. Yes, I've won tons of cases, you know, defending myself, but that's a very different situation. And that does not make me qualified um, in any way, shape or form. So Mosi Et says, lady, you are not legally qualified to be given advice. I think we've made that clear on more than one occasion. If you actually um, listen to the program, you would know that. That's you're not saying anything earth shattering there, my dear. Jonathan says like they sounds like they borrowed so much money in the property that they're going to have to default on the loan. And then at the end of the day, the bank is going to own the whole thing. Well, 
it looks like they're still trying to keep it in the family based on what she's saying. They are actually um, still trying to get another family member to buy it. Ah, some of y'all not easy though, you know, when it comes to land, I have seen cases where people have get them out of the property. Uh, this, this is a historical thing with Caymanians and land. Y'all love to steal people land. <laughs> Let me be very, very clear. I have heard of instances, poor people who couldn't read and write, you know, went to certain individuals back in the day and they thought that they were having them, you know, do proper land transfer and documents, whatever. And come to find out these people became land rich because they were putting poor people's land in their name and the poor people had no clue. And they didn't know what they were doing. And then after the fact, it was too late. So this is historically, if we need to be honest about a little bit of Cayman history, historically, Caymanians have really been very, very greedy when it comes to land. And, you know, you're not willing to acquire it all always in the right and legal way. So Jamila says that she needs Amelia on the case. Well, you know, Amelia primarily does criminal law, although I do believe that, um, Sometimes she will segue into some civil stuff, but her her forte really is criminal. So um, this viewer says, listening and watching loud and clear on YouTube, um, this segues into the issue of a regulatory council for attorneys. Why is uh, why is it that there's not one here? Hmm. So who holds attorneys accountable in this jurisdiction? Now, I think doctors have the um, medical and dental council, as far as I know. Is there a, an equivalent on the legal side? Tell me, I mean, I don't know, where, where are all the lawyers at? Um, so I don't know. So here's another insight. So someone says it's only the chief justice. Yeah, that seems a bit skewed. But here's what someone has said, which is quite interesting. So they said, in confidence, uh, one of the sons came to the HSA years ago to fight his aunt, Miss Frederica Beverage. What's beverage? I think it's supposed to be because he said that she swindled them out of their dad's property. Oh, because, oh, so these are the, the, the two sons that supposedly she bought out of the property. So who, who is Miss Frederica? She used to work at the HSA. It sounds like she's got some connection to the hospital, um, formerly, I guess. Oh, so one of the sons went to the HSA. There's a little bit of inside information we're getting here on the fly. And um, tried to fight Miss Frederica, which is his aunt, because uh, he said that she swindled them out of their dad's property. So what a mess. That sounds like... Mm. You know what? Let me, um, this is just good common sense advice, right? When you write a will, what you should really consider is when you make someone a beneficiary of the will, who is also the executor, you're automatically creating a situation of conflict. And in my mind, good common sense should dictate that you not do that. Have an executor of your will who has no interest in the property, no interest in your will, 
and who is qualified and can do the right thing, who isn't going to be out there um, borrowing money left, right, and center and trying to take the remainder of the property uh, from, you know, the other partial owners. And quite frankly, I think that whoever assisted um, this gentleman with the writing of the will should have given him that piece of advice. Because here you are giving your sister the lion's share of the property. Initially, it was, okay, this is hers. And, you know, first and foremost, she needs to pay off the loan at the bank. And then after that, the rest of it belongs to her. But you can see where very, very quickly a conflict of interest is created with her doing the right thing as an executor of the will and, you know, trying to look out for her own personal interests. So, um, it's, it's really an unbelievable situation, but time and time again, we hear these types of stories. You know how many people are fighting in court over wills and land and all this sort of stuff because from the onset, a really poor situation uh, was created. Just like Miss, um, what was the name of the lady that we had in the program before who was on here saying that, you know, the son is kicking her out of the property. Well, what we eventually came to discover in that situation is that her own husband had gone to land registry before he married her and divorced the ex-wife, put the ex-wife, who was never on the property, put her and the son on the property back in 19, I think it was 1996. And then he proceeded to divorce her marry the new woman and did not bother telling the new wife for 23 years that, oh, by the way, I am not the sole owner of this property. And that is why, because I, I did find it really peculiar when she's like, oh yeah, the ex-wife has lived on the property. Well, the reason why she has lived there is because she was part owner of the property. And I saw the transfer papers. I saw where he went and did that back in, I think it was 1996. Didn't tell the new wife when they got married that, oh, yeah, I don't own this property outright. Never added her to the property. So when he died, you know, the son and the ex-wife then started to make a move to remove him since he's deceased from the property. And rightfully so, they own, this was the, the street family. You guys remember this? Uh, they own the property completely straight out. I mean, you know, the ex-wife is like in her 80s now, so... She probably doesn't have too much longer to go before the son is going to own it entirely. And I could not get Miss Street um, to fully understand that her husband had, do, had done that. She's like, oh, but I've lived there for 20 something years. It doesn't matter. It does not matter how long you've lived there because your husband did something legally with the property, never undid it, never left a will or anything of the sort. And so now you find yourself in a situation where you are caught up in uh, what is really, really unfortunate. Um, and they have, they've evicted her. And of course, everybody's like, well, how can a judge sign off on this eviction notice? Well, the reason why they could sign off is because everything is actually in order from the perspective of the court. You know, and it's, it's sad because she's not fully understanding what has transpired. And she's like, oh, but the bailiff told me I can go and fight this. I'm like, yeah, and the bailiff is not a lawyer. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So the bailiff can tell you anything that they want. They're not the ones who have to go and, and argue points of law. Ay, ay, ay. 
Um, CC says a will should stand. That's because when your parents are alive, the children don't look on, look on you. But as you die, body not even cold, doesn't even turn cold yet. And they're looking for what you have or what they can get. Sad, sad, sad. And unfortunately, this is also true. And I think that parents have to, you know, even a living will is something that you should have in place, folks. In case something happens to you, you don't actually die, you become incapacitated or something else. What do you want? Who do you want to be making the decisions um, about your your health and uh, you know well-being? So these are some quite serious questions um, that I feel like you know we need to have a lawyer in the program to kind of address some of these. Um, so Carmelie keeps saying to her, "Must just take the money." Um, Nola says she's been to just about all the lawyers in Cayman. She's just not accepting what they told her. I, I don't think she's been to the right lawyer. Trust me. I'm telling you, she's not been to all the lawyers. She's been to probably a few Caymanian lawyers. And um, in this case, I'm telling you a thousand percent. This is when you need to go to Broadhurst. Listen to me carefully. Get Kyle in the job. Okay. Now, Kyle's a Caymanian, but... He is well-versed in the law. Some people who are lawyers barely pass law school. And I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. Okay? And I see them perform in court, and I wonder how the hell they even have a job. Even, on the, even, pro, like, even criminal law. I have sat there and wondered, how did this person continue to get clients? You're looking at a jail sentence here, folks. And you go and get Cayman's worst lawyer just because they're a Caymanian to represent you. Now, I'm not going to throw them under the bus by naming them, but I often sit there and say to myself, wow, the five or six cases that I've done myself, I actually did a better job. And I'm not a lawyer. I don't have any experience as a lawyer. You know, like I said, I know a little bit about the law because I have a law degree. And I have seen them get up and make arguments and say things. And I'm just like, wow, you're going to jail. <laughs> you just sealed your fate by getting the worst possible lawyer in the Cayman Islands. And yes, they're Caymanians. I was having a think about this yesterday. Just because you are a Caymanian doesn't mean that you're the best at your job, right? Like it has the two are not <laughs> intertwined. It certainly doesn't mean that you're necessarily the worst at your job. I mean, you need to look at professionals as a professional and really separate you know, who they are. So some people are like, oh yeah, well, they're just a Caymanian. So therefore I'm going to go to them. She needs to go to another lawyer. I'm telling you all straight up. Uh, maybe the guys who are Broadhurst can help her. I'm telling you one thing. They've certainly assisted me in overturning. Um, well, stay tuned for the final update on that. Um, let's just say that last week we had a very, very interesting day in court. And um, I've been advised by my lawyers, I'm going to take their good legal advice and not say anything at this stage, but let's just say that it's not completed yet, but we hope that shortly we'll be in a position to get it all wrapped up. And then I'll be able to tell you guys exactly what happened because again, lawyers work for money and a lot of times, you know, they're not necessarily doing the right thing. My lawyers are doing the right thing. The other side, hmm. stay tuned. Gabby says the fact that he put her in the will means she was a good caretaker and he wanted to make sure that she was taken care of so they should deal with her fairly. And unfortunately, a will can't force someone to deal with you fairly, right? And this is why when you write a will, you've got to make sure that it's got all possibilities covered, like make it abundantly clear. 
what can and can't happen in relation to um, a property. But once somebody owns a property, they can go and borrow money on it. Now, I, I do have some questions for JN um, that, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how she borrowed the money. I don't know if she could go into the bank and say, okay, this is my portion of the property. So I'm only borrowing on that. Like I have questions. I do have questions about how they gave not one, but multiple loans that are now in default. So Marshall says that Mr. Gilbert cared enough to leave her part of the property, but went wrong when he shared the other part of the property with greedy people. It's sad what she's going through and I hope she can get some kind of resolution. Morning, Mr. Luis. Damien um, says this happened a lot in Cayman back in those days. And the point really is um, it is still ongoing, unfortunately. This isn't, maybe it's not as easy to defraud people anymore, but a lot of land disputes. If you go to the judicial website, you'll see all the cases where people are fighting over deceased property. Uh, what, what do Caymanians call it? Dead left? <laughs> dead and laugh or whatever. So yeah, people are always fighting over property from the, from the most rich mm -hmm, to the poorest are fighting over property, something that most of them did not work for. So David says that CARA, which is a Cayman Attorney Regulation Authority, um, would be the regulatory body. I don't know about that, um, David. Because I think that CARA's regulatory power, which was given to them by the last government, is in relation to the enforcement, because they have some kind of contract, apparently. But it's about the enforcement of anti-money laundering um, legislation. I don't think that they're a reporting body, like if you have a complaint as a consumer, that you go and, and lodge against attorneys. I don't think that that's how that actually works with that organization. But um, let me see if I can quickly find out. Because they there there's more than one lawsuit actually against CARA at the moment about whether or not they have um, overstepped, even in relation to this uh, document. And we've covered that before, but this contract that the government has given them. So the argument with CARA folks is that the previous administration um, being the unity government gave them this contract to regulate um, attorneys, local attorneys, as it relates to the uh, sort of enforcement or I guess uh, anti-money laundering component of people being a lawyer. And, um, you know, the local lawyers has said that they have been unjustly targeted by CARA because who sits on CARA is, you know, top, uh, Maples and Calders and Walkers, attorneys or whatever, the ones who are running CARA. And so they apply a different standard. So the little Caymanian one-man one operation or small operations are being asked to, oh, you need to show us your client logs, um, all this confidential information that they're not asking of the larger law firms. And the allegation then is then that there is this imbalance of how uh, the law is being applied. So their website says CARA regulates firms of attorneys at law for anti-money laundering and related fields. So this is that. So that's what I'm saying is, as I thought, CARA is not the body that you'd go to to make complaints, generally speaking about attorneys. So CARA 
is supposed to be, it's called the Cayman Attorney's Regulation Authority. And the other overarching question is how is it that attorneys can regulate themselves, right? Instead of separating up, setting up a separate body like SEMA, Cayman Islands Monetary Authority, or somebody else to regulate attorneys, how is it that CARA, um, again, made up of some very interesting people in the legal profession, how did they get this contract? And effectively, what government has done, instead of setting up a regulatory authority, they have taken a private group of individuals and gave them a regulatory function. And so there are pending lawsuits. I mean, I don't know where the lawsuits are right now against both the Cayman Islands government and CARA to say that this should not um, have been permitted and it should not have been allowed. Uh, we have gone over, um, there was a show that we did where we went over this in, in considerable detail in terms of what's happening. So again, this is um, quite an interesting situation, but this is all about AML, compliance, um, you know, the terrorism law, proliferation of financing and all that kind of stuff. This has nothing to do with if you are a person that just has a bad lawyer and you want to lodge a formal complaint with them, who do you go to? There's no regulatory body for attorneys. This is a supposed regulatory body that um, regulates um, law firms as it relates to the anti-money anti laundering, the AML uh, regime, and that's it. Hmm. Quite interesting. Um, Andrea says that you can bet that uh, none of those children even gave the father a glass of water, but fighting for what he has. So I don't, I don't know who took care of him and whatever, but obviously the father felt like this woman who was with him for 10 years, um, had gone above and beyond. Cause you know, when you have a helper, you are paying the helper for their services. So I think most helpers understand that, you know, you get paid for your services and you render those services and you should be rendering those services to the best of your ability. But that does not mean that at the end of it, you're going to be treated like family or you're going to get, you know, property, whatever. But I think that some individuals do see their helpers as family, especially when they've been with them for a long period of time. And I can understand how that happens, especially when you have live-in helpers who, you know, take care of you in your older years or help you raise your children or whatever. They do become an extension of your family. Personally, I've never wanted a live-in helper. I mean, they say never say never for what the future holds. But, you know, I, I like my privacy and I like my space. So I've never been a person that was like, oh, yes, come and live with me. Um, but, you know, sometimes when you get up in age, you probably don't have a choice. You need to have someone there to cook and clean for you and, you know, everything. So um, thank the Lord I've not had to do that yet. Mm -mm -mm. But, um, you know, he must have been happy with her performance over the 10 years to want to leave her a property. And he said that she gave up her life. She gave up her fiance and I guess whatever else she may have had in Jamaica and, you know, it is what it is. Now, now, some people feel like they're helpers who strategically put themselves uh, in a position to, um, you know, insert themselves in your will. Well, hopefully whoever was witnessing the will made sure that the man was of, of his right mind and he knew exactly what it was that he wanted to do and wasn't being unduly influenced by anyone uh, I've heard of some cases where that has also been the case. So like one of her viewers has said, you know, her uncle finds this woman who's 40 years younger, but what are you going to do? I, I mean, listen, 
Caymanians hit their 60s and 70s, especially Caymanian men, more so than women, I've noticed. Uh, they have a spouse that dies. They're going to go out there and pick up a second wife. And most of the time, they're not picking up a Caymanian. They're going to pick up someone who is the equivalent of a helper. Like I've seen this happen all the time. These old men get helpers and marry them so that I guess the helper has no choice but to really take care of them in more ways than one. Um, and so, you know, it is what it is. What are you going to do? Just because they're 40 years younger and you know, the young, the old man that got access to Viagra. I, listen folks, 936-2626 is the phone number. Uh, feel free to call in and let's hear your views on it. Don't forget also this evening that we have premier access at seven o'clock that will be aired on the radio as well. So if you're still stuck in traffic, uh, tune in. If you're at home, obviously you can watch it or listen to it in both both ways. So um, mm -mm. so Andrea says, Jamila, they're fighting for what he had. Too bad Duppe doesn't have the power to slap them. Well, we don't want another Will, Will Smith slap here. So, mm -mm. Um, Marshall says he was a messy old man. It's sad that at her age, she has to start over somewhere else of that property. Well, I don't, I don't know that calling him a messy old man is probably fair to him. I don't know who Mr. Gilbert is, bless his little heart. Um, I think he was trying to do the right thing where I believe he went wrong was making the sister, the executor of his will. So Elaine's closet says a will cannot assist with a property owned jointly as uh, joint tenants, tenants in common is the only way, way you can decide to share a will and leave, to share and leave in a will. The law of succession is tricky, but that rule is straightforward. Mm. It's just mixed up. Kapow says you're speaking the truth in regard to the lawyers. Like I said, I see a lot sitting there making observations in court. Miss Morna, good morning. Um, she says, Sandy, that's why I stand firmly in what the Bible says. Uh, mother may have, father may have, but bless the child that has his own. This die and left will put you where um, the person that left the will is just saying. So in other words, the stress of the situation is likely to kill you. Mm -mm. Yes, Moya makes the good point that he should have also added her to the land title. And that is where um, I think that would have made more sense. Bonnie says, JN is the worst bank in the Cayman Islands. What a hot mess. You know, I told you guys before that they had a very, I don't think they do it anymore that they had a very interesting um, policy at JN. I think they've had to abandon it because of all of the commercial banks in the Cayman Islands, JN money had the highest rate of people defaulting on mortgages and loans. And one of the reasons that I, one of the observations I should say that I made is what you had them doing is they had a minimum borrowing amount of half a million dollars. Now I had never in my entire life heard of a minimum borrowing amount because I, I went there. There was a, a property that was in foreclosure by this um, Caymanian lady and her, um, I don't know if he's 
he was a plumber. I'm not sure where he was from, but anyway, so they had this house and it was really big, 4,000 square feet, opulent, overbuilt for the yard space, to be honest. And it was in foreclosure. So I was looking at the property and I went to do a little bit more investigation. So when I found out that JN is who had the, you know, they're the ones who were doing the for sale. I started to inquire. I'm like, oh yes, you guys loan money. Let me find out a little bit more about you. Cause I don't know anything about JN money. Right. So I said, let me find out a bit more about what you guys do. And what I discovered is that they had a minimum borrowing amount of half a million dollars. And I was like, what? This is bizarre. I've never heard of a minimum. So in other words, you go to them and no matter how much money you actually need, you have to borrow half a million dollars. And I thought, that's weird. Because they're forcing you, in a lot of cases, to borrow more money than you need. And I could see how this couple, who were a little bit older, got in trouble with this property with that type of a policy in place. So they forced them to borrow half a million dollars. They probably only needed $250,000 to build a house, right? And what they then did with the rest of the money, only God knows, but they took the half a million dollars. And it also, when I took a tour of the house, I felt like, wow, somebody was trying too hard to fill this house with all this opulent furniture that was oversized and too big for the spaces that they were trying to put stuff in. And then I recognized, you know what, they probably just had so much money that they needed to spend and just waste that um, that's what they did. You know, they furnished it to $100,000 to try and spend that half a million dollars that they had been given on this mortgage. And it occurred to me that that is really not the best policy to have as a bank because you're forcing people to take more money than even if they qualify it for it, they're probably putting a bit more financial strain on themselves than they need to. And so I also spoke to a local accountant. He's someone who's worked with, um, you know, the CIDB bank for many, many years. And he was the one who was telling me that they have the highest rate of loan, people defaulting on loans. And now I'm like, well, now I can see why. I believe since then uh, they were trying to clean up their books and get some bad debt off. And they have made uh, some changes to their policy. And hopefully they got rid of that one. So Nat B says, no lies spoken about Cara. Yeah, that's a, I need to find out if those lawsuits are still, um, if they're still alive. So someone says um, that Anthony Akiwumi and Sammy Jackson have a legal challenge against them. Uh, was originally set up as a subcommittee. This is Cara now. It was originally set up as a subcommittee of the Legal Practitioners Association, which is a private association whose directors are partners in law firms. The private association appears to have received funding from the previous government. This is Sir Alden. After the legal proceedings started against Cara, the previous government quickly passed a new Legal Practitioners Act trying to put a new structure in place to govern the legal profession. The new law is not yet in force. There you have it, folks. That's the latest update. I did reach out to someone because I couldn't remember uh, what, what the situation was there. But wow. No, sir. You see? You hear the mix up? What a mess. 
um, folks, this is this is where your elected officials can really make your life challenging and can sometimes not even follow the law. Ugh, unbelievable. So yes, it is Doctor's Day. Doctor, um, did you not hear us? Did you not hear me give you a shout out? So we do have someone else um, who wanted to say that they want to give a big shout out to Dr. Tomlinson, who is Cayman's first, uh, Dr. Tomlinson, big up the first Caymanian doctor. All right. Thank you very, very much. Another comment on WhatsApp says that they need to start to stop fighting over dead left. Indeed. Um, so someone says it looks like you can complain here about an attorney, Silpa. Um, so Silpa is, okay, make a formal complaint, complete the um, form. So the Cayman Islands Legal Practitioners Association, and then I see Cara's logo is down at the bottom. So is Silpa a separate entity than Cara? It's confusing to say the least. But according to this attorney, they have tried to set up a system, a complaint system, but they never completed it legislatively. So the new law is not yet in effect. Hmm. What a hot mess. So folks, listen, um, almost nine o'clock in the morning. We have not yet, um, if you notice, we haven't been doing any commercial breaks or anything on radio as yet. So in come, uh, I was just giving myself this first week to get used to the timing and all those wonderful things. And then um, some of my clients actually um, are going to be coming on board for August. So how exciting is that? Uh, Canola says, but honestly, um, so, so sorry, let's go back to the previous comment. So fair is fair. If you want to regulate attorneys, get uh, bank info, not client info. Okay. But honestly, there isn't a regulatory body for anything. They groom them and get into the will to get their stuff, but that's not the case at all the time. And, uh, Canola agrees that JN is the worst. Um, oh, thank you, Marshall, for clarifying. So he said that when he was saying that, um, that the dead man was a, um, messy old man, he was not referring to Mr. Gilbert. He was referring to Mr. Thompson. And we remember that story. I understand now. Cornelius joining us from St. Lucia. Good morning. Good morning to you. Um, they should have paid the bank back their money at the more. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable how you can do something wrong um, and then it comes back to bite you because then you end up defaulting on the mortgage. But how do you default? I mean, I don't know how much money she borrowed in the end, right? But how do you default on a mortgage where you are uh, making all this rental money free and clear, living a large life? I don't know. Was she forced to borrow half a million dollars? I don't know. <laughs> you know, it just sounds crazy. Um, Shannon is doing a shout out on Doctor's Day to her female doctor, Dr. Denise. Uh, ooh, what's the last name? Osterlo and Dr. Archita of Health City. Oh, yes. Let me do a big shout out to Dr. Sarah Watkin as well. Dr. Watkin is, I think she might still be, the only neonatologist specialist on island. I know she was back when I had my daughter a few years back. 
So Dr. Sarah uh, Watkin actually had just come on island um, at the time. I think my little Gianna was probably one of her first patients and she is a general pediatrician and she also uh, deals with newborn and complex pediatric conditions. And uh, we knew that we were going to be having my daughter by C-section and we were concerned about her growth. So they had Dr. Sarah uh, there in the delivery room, ready to take the baby and start doing her immediate assessment on, um, on Gianna to see if we had any real need for concern. And she was like, oh, she's just the tiniest little thing. She's so cute. I like Dr. Sarah. And then after a couple of weeks, she's like, listen, we've done every test. She can see fine. She can hear fine. She's very alert. All I can tell you is she's just petite. She was just a preemie, but there doesn't seem to be anything else. Because most physicians get worried, as you all know, um, as a woman, if you're having a preemie, they get worried that, oh, my gosh, why is this child growing so small? And mind you, this was the height of the whole uh, Zika. Remember Zika? Man, Zika kind of like flared up. We were all afraid. And then it kind of died down and disappeared a little bit. And what has happened to all those Zika babies? Have you ever thought about this? This is one of the things, I feel like I need to Google what's going on with Zika. Um, those babies, a lot of them were like in Brazil and other places. Um, no real updates on, on what's going, that's... You know, the news doesn't even cover it anymore, but it kind of died down. Remember all the babies that were suffering um, from the being bitten by the 80s Egypti mosquitoes and um, wow, really, really sad, but I've not heard anything new about this, um, but I guess those poor children are just living very, very difficult lives. It was so hard to look at their little faces, little babies, and, and what it did to like, you know, their heads and all the lifelong issues that they'd be having. And you know what is so unfortunate is these poor babies, a lot of them were being born in some of the poorest countries in the world. And you know how it is. I mean, you grew up in a poor country, you're, you're already ostracized just because you're poor. And then on top of that, when you have any kind of a disability, not even a disability, you're a woman, you're, auto, you're automatically at a disadvantage. You know, you um, are, are a minority, you're at a disadvantage. There's so many things that put you at a disadvantage. And I always looked at these little babies and thought, oh my God, they're going to have, even if they have the most loving parents in the world, um, the cost of taking care of a child with any sort of a disability anywhere in the world it's just so astronomical that, um, you know, it's just these poor children are going to have a really hard time in life. So this was back in, in 2016, 2017. Um, but by 2017, May of 2017, this BBC article says Brazil has declared an end to the national emergency over the Zika virus after it saw a sharp decline in cases. So the cases dropped by 95% between January and April um, in Brazil. So it, it was just crazy. And remember in 2016, Brazil hosted the um, Olympics as well. And the World Health Organization had also lifted its international emergency as it related to um, Zika back in November of 2016. So Zika was one of those diseases that came with a vengeance. Um, birth defects in almost 30 countries and it almost like the the n1 what, what's the flu called the n1 
whatever that flu was, the bird flu. Um, again, it flares up and then it seems to disappear. Boy, could we not really wish that the COVID could have been like that? Like give us a little bit of a flare up, but then just go away. Uh, you know, but the interesting about Zika is it's been around for a while. It was first identified monkeys back in Uganda in 1947. So it wasn't new entirely. And the first human case was detected in Nigeria in 1954. And they had further outbreaks in Africa, Southeast Asia, and the Pacific. But it wasn't until May of 2015 that it was reported in Brazil. And then it really spread rapidly. Um, and there's no treatment for it. You know, all you can do is reduce the risk of being bitten from the 80s Egyptian mosquito, which we know is the daytime um, flying mosquito. Mm -mm. So the Zika virus uh, predominantly spread by mosquitoes, but can also be sexually transmitted. Can you believe that? Um, but thankfully, it has seemed to have died down. But there were still children. I don't know how many children around the world, but there are still a lot of children that would have been impacted um, by the Zika virus. So, you know, they're having to live with, um, they're having to live with that. Mm. So, yeah. And uh, there's, it's funny that we're having this conversation because I see an article here um, saying that Zika, Zika virus testing market at 2022 business strategies and so, you know, pharmaceutical companies, uh, Gen 1 Life Sciences, Intrexon, Sirius, and others, um, including Barat Biotech, are looking at um, treatments uh, for Zika. So I guess it's still a thing in the medical profession that they're still trying to understand a lot of this and what happened. Um, and the question is, for all of us right now, is how will COVID-19 end? And experts have looked at things like influenza, HIV, Zika, and other epidemics for some insight into what might actually happen with COVID-19. Now, I know COVID-19 isn't in the news as much as it used to be for different, different reasons. Uh, we are really starting to live with it. So I was kind of chuckling to myself um, just today. I had to do a lateral flow test for the past week with my daughter because she had two kids in her school that were infected. And um, now it's kind of like run of the mill. Like she doesn't complain as much anymore. And, you know, I said, okay, we have to do your, your LFT. She's like, okay, is that the test that tickles my nose? She calls it the tickle my nose test. And, you know, we do it and get your results. We uh, photo the results into the school, all clear. She can go in. And I think a lot of us have just, I guess we're learning to live with it. There was an event about a week or so ago at a local hotel. I understand there were hundreds of people there and uh, they were not, a, a good portion of the patrons were not wearing masks. And of course, you know, this got back to me. And it was like, Sandy, these people are not wearing masks and now they've had an outbreak. And have you been looking at the COVID numbers in the Cayman Islands? You would know that the COVID numbers have gone back up. Not, not the kind of outbreak we had before. So maybe we've peaked but our numbers are on the increase and um, they were still doing contact tracing up until this week of that event, you know? So there's still some degree of contact tracing that is happening in relation to COVID. So people don't put down your guard. I see the comments on social media and I see people, oh, I'm so fed up. I don't wanna talk about COVID anymore. I don't wanna you know, um, get rid of masks, just make us be free. 
it's not in your best interest that the mask mandate disappears. And I understand, especially if you have to work with a mask, I know how that must, I can imagine having a mask on all day, how that must feel, but it's actually for your own protection. Just last week, a three-year-old had to be air ambulance off of this island because she almost died because of COVID. It's only a matter of child, a time before we will have our first child that dies because of a COVID-related infection. It's coming. Healthier people will also die. So for the most part, it has been the unvaccinated. We know that's what it is. And it's also been people with extreme comorbidities. But there's been one or two who had no serious existing comorbidities, you know, refused to get vaccinated, and they died. They could have survived COVID. So folks, your first line of defense, get yourself vaccinated. Second line of defense, continue to wear your mask, wash your hands, proper good oral, hy oral hygiene, proper good um, general hygiene, especially when it comes to keeping your social distance from people six feet. Don't go in extra crowded areas. You know, still use all of those things that have put us in good stead when it comes to where our COVID numbers are. They're on the increase. And the government, by the way, I saw issued a reminder that um, there's some people who seem to think, because they're like, oh, well, the tourists are here and they're able to do anything that they want. Mm, not quite. Um, and they then say, well, you know, that I can do it too. Well, the Cayman Islands government has reminded us that all persons over the age of five are required to wear a face covering or mask if they're indoors a public place and unable to maintain a social distance of six feet from other people. And remember, even if the Cayman Islands government was to say, let's remove the mask mandate, which I don't think they're going to do anytime soon, but even if they did that, private companies, grocery stores, and others can still say to you, when you come in our place of business, we have a mask mandate and you need to put on your mask. I think removing the mask mandate but having private companies still dictate where you have to wear a mask to come into, you know, our place of business is going to create mass confusion for a lot of people. And then you'll find people wanting to argue with businesses. Well, how can you do this? You know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, uh, I can do it because my business. <laughs> so uh, there you have it. Uh having a look at emails to see if we have anything that's pressing that we need to tell you guys about. Mm -hmm. Olive says, um, big up to Dr. Benoit and Dr. Tarun of Health City. Very good. Um, by the way, just a little preview here. Health City is going to be joining us starting next month here on Tuesdays. So you guys can look forward to having... Um, those experts on board from Health City. They're going to be, um, it's its a little bit of a play in words, the segment, but it's going to be called Medical Rundown with Health City Tuesday Talks. So um, as you know, Caymanians know all about rundown, child. We got fish rundown. We got salt beef rundown. We got, what other kind of rundowns are there? But um, yes, we're going to have them joining the program in a new and innovative way. Canola says, sounds like they're robbing Peter to pay Paul, pay your loans, and ball after. Hmm. 
always happens. Canola also shares that um, she was afraid of Zika during her pregnancy. Listen, I think every pregnant woman during that 2016 era, um, going into early 2017, would have been petrified. Like I had to go to Miami a couple of times. I'm like, oh my God, Miami was having outbreaks. I was like, oh, I hope a mosquito doesn't bite me. Like you were constantly looking at your skin. Did you get bitten? You weren't sure, you know, would it, would it have been a Zika mosquito? I mean, it was just, you were, you were legitimately afraid. So shout out to Dr. Swan at the Georgetown hospital. Um, also, I can't do a shout out to Dr. Sarah Watkins uh, on Doctor's Day without also giving a shout out to Dr. Dear Saran because it was his call really um, early on in my pregnancy. He had some concerns and referred me to an overseas specialist. And as a result, we had to monitor the pregnancy very, very carefully. And then at eight months, you know, I did my eight month checkup. I was going in literally every week. But at eight months, he said, hmm, the, the, numbers, the head circumference, the weight of this baby, it's still too low. Like it's below that average, you know, you've got an average baby weight and whatever. And he said, she's like in the um, 97 percentile uh, for, you know, like she's too small and we don't know why. And he said, honestly, uh, Sandy, I think you've done what you could do. Cause you know, like five, six months, he's like, we can't take this baby we need your body to incubate it and to keep it. We don't want to take babies. We never want to take babies too early. And so he's like, do what you can do, you know, get some rest, try not to stress. We don't know what's going on. And then at eight months, he said, right, an eight month old baby can definitely survive in the NICU, can survive in the world. We've got good uh, medicine and good medical professionals that can take care of an eight month old baby. And we now need to take this baby out because to be honest, that last month of pregnancy, is so high risk. And because we don't know what's going on here, we don't know why she's growing small. We have suspicions. We don't know what it is. Maybe we just need to do a C-section, take her out and start to see what's going on. And if there's anything medically that can be done. And that's exactly what he, he said. We, he's, he called it. He said, we're going to take the baby. I said, okay. I relied on his expertise. And uh, we scheduled the C-section. He gave me a steroid treatment because of course, preemies, um, have an issue with underdeveloped lungs. So there is a tr course of steroid treatments that they give you now. It was one of the most painful injections I've ever had. Like I'm not a wuss necessarily when it comes to injections, but oh, that one was painful. And I just grinned and bear it, did the C-section. Thank God everything went fine. And then, you know, so big shout out to um, Dr. Dear Saran. I know physicians, sometimes you only think about them when they do something wrong, but, you know, they make decisions and calls every single day that are in the best interest of their patients. Um, Everton says we, we approve for the second booster shot and I'll be in line to get mine and I'll be all shot up until the next one. <laughs> have we, have we been approved? Like I haven't heard much about the vaccine drive. It looks like the vaccine drive has kind of died down a little bit as well. Um, so Diamond says, I believe that mask wearing should be optional. My cheeks have bumps and there's so many spots left behind. I do wear a new mask every day and I've never had pimples on my face before until I started wearing the mask. And it's really hard to be in it for eight hours, six days a week. It keeps us safe, but my face is paying the price. Well, Diamond Princess, I hate to put it like this, but would you rather have a few pimples or get gravely sick from COVID? 
you know, and you're protecting other people um, as well as yourself, really, when everybody masks up. So I get it, though, because, you know, when I know that I'm going in an environment where I have to wear a mask, I try to limit the amount of time that I have to stay in that environment. I get in and out as quickly as I possibly can. We haven't done a COVID update in a while, uh, to be quite frank, because of course we, like I said, have been focused on so many other things. Um, someone said, I just switched from Facebook to radio now and it's nice. And that they've also been wondering about the Zika babies. Uh, let me try to reach out to Kevin Watler because Kevin has a wonderful um, access to a lot of great professionals in the medical profession. Uh, maybe we can touch bases with someone to see whatever happened to Zika babies. So this person says, Vladimir Putin is the world's best doctor. Nobody has died from COVID since February the 24th. He cured the world. A little bit of humor there because uh, we have been so hyper-focused on, um, yeah, so hyper-focused on, on all the shenanigans. Mm-mm-mm. What a mess, I tell you. So let's talk a little bit um, about this lawsuit, the constitutional challenge. So the decision came out yesterday. I have a copy of it. Anybody wants to read it, do let me know. It is all of 49 pages. It's a 49-page judgment. So this is before the Honorable Richard uh, Williams. The hearing was December the 2nd. And... um, they circulated a draft of the decision on March the 23rd. And then the final judgment was dated March the 28th. So this is Katina Anglin um, suing the governor's office. And another party to it was Colors Cayman. I think that they had been request, they requested that they be added as what is called an intervener. And there was a whole back and forth about... Um, whether or not they should be permitted to be acted as an intervener. I don't really know why the objection was there, but you know they are an interested party in the sense that they represent the LGBTQ plus community. And so ultimately the court found that they have a right to be an intervener, but for the sake of um, smooth proceedings, they wanted the intervener and the defendants, which was the governor of the Cayman Islands, their attorneys to organize themselves so that they were not making the same argument like making it twice, right? So there were previous hearings, um, sort of like case management style hearings and decisions about number one, allowing Colors Caribbean to be an intervener. And then number two, instructing, the judge was instructing those parties to really ensure that they were well organized about the points that they specifically wanted to address and wanted to speak to. So the decision came in. Uh, a lot of times as a law school student, you know what I do now? I skip all the way to the bottom of the judgment and I read the judgment first. And then I go, oh, okay. That was the decision. And then I go back because the first part of these lawsuits, folks, and I'll show this to our um, online viewers so you can see it. Um, a lot of these lawsuits are, the first part is all about rehashing. How did we get here? What are the facts? You know, uh, What are the legal questions that need to be answered? And I think most people are just like, well, what's the end result? Uh, so here's a lawsuit. Um, like I said, if you want to read a copy of it, let me know. I, I'm happy to send it to you. And um, here it is. So it goes behind the background, who the parties are, the application and the proceedings. 
So the plaintiff is Katina Anglin. And as you know, she's actually got legal aid to pay for this. So we, the people, <laughs> quite ironically enough, paid for this challenge. She claims that she was raising money, but ugh, only God knows where that money was really going. Um, she was fighting the legal aid office to not even have to contribute anything to the lawsuit, although she said she had collected money and she had money in the bank account. Anyway, um, the defendant was His Excellency, the governor of the Cayman Islands. And it says that there was a substantive hearing of the plaintiff's application for judicial review. Uh, that This is a substantive hearing, sorry, brought pursuant to the grand court rules. It goes into, you know, how you bring this action. Talked about the European Convention and Human Rights. Um, and basically the argument was the plaintiff was arguing that the governor made an error. So he erred in law by using Section 81 of the Constitution to enact the um, Civil Partnership Act beyond the scope of his responsibility as defined by Section 52 of the Constitution. So this legal argument is called the Section 81 ground. So the defendant and the intervener contend that in light of the history of the Constitution and its items, number one, the UK government was entitled to instruct the governor to publish an assent to the CPA under Section 81 of the Constitution. And um, number, that was number one. Number two, that the governor had acted within his powers under the Constitution. So those are kind of broadly the legal arguments. Now, quite interestingly enough, um, Katina had abandoned a good portion of her arguments even before the substantive part was heard, right? So she kind of had backed away from a few things. Um, because I think she saw the, the writing on the wall with this one. Listen, I set it up to last week when we heard the, or the week before when we heard the, um, the Privy Council decision saying that marriage is not uh, a right, uh, you know, same-sex marriage is not a right in our constitution. It's not unconstitutional to say that you can't have same-sex marriage, but there has to be something equivalent to that. So when I saw that Privy Council decision, I said, you know what, Katina is not going to win this. The, the two judgments, they have to coincide, right? It wouldn't make sense. Um, and so he has gone through all of the tidbits legally in order of, um, he goes through what was done, how she filed her originating motion, declaration that the governor's action was unlawful, uh, you know, all this stuff, um, what happened in June of 2021, a notice of hearing. So the full history of this case and then the conclusion, scroll all the way down to point number, I think it was 81. Maybe it's beyond 81. Uh, the conclusion then is the following at point 87. It is abundantly clear from number one, the evidence of both Mr. Pyle and Ms. Rollins, Number two, the exhibited material relating to the constitutional negotiations. And number three, the content of the white papers that the importance of ensuring compliance with international obligations uh, was very much in all parties' minds when the constitution was being created. The preferred approach in London, no doubt, was and remains for the government of each overseas territory to act itself by recognizing the responsibility placed upon it to enact internal legislation to conform when, uh, sorry, to conform with applicable obligations arising out of international treaties like the ECHR. 
It is also evident from the above evidence that the overseas territories and the Cayman Islands negotiators uh, would have understood that the UK government's position was consistent with that approach. If a territory continued to fail to address compliance with an international obligation of the UK, the constitution provisions would enable the Secretary of State to take on that role in its place to ensure such compliance. There could have been little doubt that in such an extreme situation where the Court of Appeal held, number one, that the Legislative Assembly had failed to face up to, in quotes, its legal obligations under the Bill of Rights, and therefore, importantly, also under the ECHR, and number two, had taken the extraordinary step of expressing its expectation that the UK government would recognize its legal responsibility and take action to address the unsatisfactory state of affairs, again, that was in quote, the intention of these uh, creating the constitution was that the constitution would enable the Secretary of State to take that action or direct that action to be taken by the governor. So this is a conclusion. The judge says, I accept that section 125, order and counsel, at root provides a catch-all option. However, section 81 of the constitution read together with section 55 of the constitution is the internal mechanism within the constitution with some local checks and balances that provides a different mechanism which could also be used without having to resort to the more external measure, namely an order in council. So it's really about how he did it by using section 81. And in the end, it said by this mechanism, the constitution strikes a constitutional balance. The judge says, I'm satisfied when reviewing the constitution as a whole, that the responsibility for the compliance with the obligation in the ECHR one is clearly expressed by the court of appeal falls within external affairs and is a special responsibility. Therefore, the governor, having ensured that the checks and balances were set out in section 81 of the constitution were followed, was entitled to exercise his reserve power and enact the CPA. I'm satisfied that the governor has not acted contrary to the constitution or other laws in force in the Cayman Islands. Accordingly, I find that the governor has acted lawfully his use of Section 81 of the Constitution to enact the Civil Partnership Act was not an error in law and was within the scope of his responsibility as defined in Section 55 of the Constitution. Therefore, the order and declaration sought by the plaintiff are not made. So in other words, she's lost. Hopefully, folks, that's the end of that story. But uh, knowing Katina... <laughs> she will find some of you to donate more of your hard-earned money to continue fighting this, and she'll take it to the Court of Appeal and probably to the Privy Council, um, and they'll turn her down as well. Don't waste your money, folks. Money's hard to come by these days. All right, Carol says they're doing boosters in the UK now, and the CDC recommended boosters for over 50, so maybe Cayman needs to get on board, and she would be first in line. You mean a second booster? Good morning to the beautiful Miss Lily. At Virtuous is giving a shout out to her pain doctor, Dr. Nicholas. Nichols, sorry. All right, so happy um, Doctor's Day. And thank you to all the wonderful physicians that are out there on a daily basis doing an absolutely fantastic job. Looks like we have an accident that has just occurred on West Bay Road, I believe. This looks like West Bay Road. So a white 
vehicle has gotten a big smash in the rear end. Um, folks, slow down, take your time. And um, yeah. Okay, so slow down and take your time, folks, um, to avoid these types of collisions. But, you know, if you find yourself in a pickle where somebody hits you and they don't want to pay up, believe me, call Tiz and the team over at Recover because they got you back. Remember, the insurance companies always are represented by lawyers, and so should you if you're smart. I think that that's uh, Everton says, oh, no, not again. It's every single day. I'm sure the press, the police are having a press conference at 10 o'clock, folks. So if you get an opportunity, please log on to our YouTube feeds for that. By the way, we're going to say goodbye now to our radio audience. And then we're going to do some final announcements for a social media audience. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 to 9.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Find us on Facebook and YouTube for the latest show episodes, including special community interviews and much more. Follow Cayman Morrow Road on Facebook and YouTube for all your community happenings. All right, folks, so we have just disconnected from the radio. Okay, so um, yes, I'm, I'm hyper-focused on time. I've got like two clocks in front of me staring at me. Um, so yes, I just wanted to remind you guys that at 10 o'clock, there is a, a police um, press conference. We will live stream that on YouTube and Facebook. So I'm going to be um, coming off the live here shortly, give you time to run and go get some breakfast or whatever you've got to do. Um, in between. And then what else is going on today? This evening is premiere access. So make sure you guys definitely tune in for that. I'll post up the reminders, but here's a little visual reminder for you. The Cold Heart Truth now has your premiere access with Premier Panton. Hello, everyone. This is Wayne Panton. Come and join me on Cayman Mar Road's premiere access every other Wednesday at 7 p.m. for a frank and open Q&A session. I'm here to answer your questions about the issues that concern you the most. Tune in to YouTube and Facebook Live on Wednesday. We will see you there. Full transparency. Answering your questions. Down to earth, accountable, and accessible to who matters. You. Don't miss Premier Access on the Cold Hard Truth. Spilling the tea like no one else. All right, folks. So that's this evening from 7 until 8 o'clock. Uh, make sure that you tune in. And um, Damien's asking about a press conference. I've not heard of a press conference, but I will certainly do my best to inquire about that. And I will let you know. All right, folks. Um, I think that's it. You guys have a fabulous hump day Wednesday. Uh, please be safe. Go and uh, call, call your doctor. Send him a WhatsApp message. Send him a little email. Say happy Doctor's Day. You're my favorite. Thank you so much for helping me stay healthy and, you know, 
stay pain-free and all the wonderful things that physicians do for us every single day. Um, and until tomorrow, you guys have a fabulous, fabulous day.